Well, I'm going to ask you this morning, if you'll stand to your feet. I think it's important every time that we get ready to receive the word that we prepare our hearts. We had an amazing time in worship. There's no doubt that the presence was here. But sometimes it's easy when we start to greet and walk around, we get our eyes focused elsewhere. So I just want you to lift your hands to heaven. Come on and start to bless him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, open up your mouth. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come on, if you have a heavenly language, begin to pray. Begin to release it. If not, just say, I love you, Jesus. Let him know he's welcome. Come on, Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Have your way this morning, Lord. The only way this meeting will be successful is if you come. Lord, our hearts are open. Oh, Jesus, have your way. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. I come against every distraction in the name of Jesus. Every distraction has to go in Jesus' name. Lord, you say where two or more are gathered in agreement, you come and establish your kingdom. So right now, in agreement, church, we establish the rule and reign of King Jesus in this room. If you're at home, online, Facebook, say, Jesus, come in this room right now. Have your way. Jesus, we bless you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. If you do not one more thing for us, we still love you and we still thank you. You alone are worthy. You alone, Jesus. Ten thousands upon ten thousands are before you blessing your name. And they never get tired. So we bless you, Jesus. You alone are holy. You alone are holy. So we bless you. We say, have your way. Have your way. And all God's children said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel the Lord. Do you feel the Lord this morning? I feel the Lord. Amen. All right. So this morning, if you want to get your Bibles ready, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3. We'll pick it up at verse 20. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And you can put your finger there if you want. I uh, will have a few things that I'm going to... Um, share with you and release to you before we jump right in, uh, but that's where we'll be. My title this morning, if you're taking notes, is called Oil for Intimacy. It's called Oil for Intimacy. And I think that it's vital in this hour that we're in. So many people are quick to say, you know, we're, we're in the end, these are the end times, or we're seeing birthing pains, or, or we have people trying to sell different narratives about the hour that we're in. And while I'll say to you that nobody knows the day or hour, Jesus also said, um, how foolish are you when you can look up in the sky and sense that it's going to rain or a storm is coming, but you don't know the hour that we're in. And so while I'm not going to get up here and, and just warn, thus saith the Lord, we're, you know, we're in the last 10 years. I'm not saying that, but I think it's vital to discern the hour that we're in. And see, it's my word this morning. Um, is it okay if I teach this morning? Most of the time I preach, um, 
You know, I love to be like that. I have a lot of evangelists running through my veins. I can get up on the street corner. We had a team gather this year at once a month for three or four months. And men, we would preach the gospel and proclaim. We saw a woman get out of a wheelchair. We saw great signs, miracles, wonders. We did worship downtown. It was amazing. Um, but, but with all that being said, I feel this morning that the Lord wants me to teach. So bear with me. Have a little grace with me. I'm trying something new. Right? Trying something new. I'm going to teach. Um, I, I believe that this morning we're going to have a word that is a correcting word, an equipping word, and a launching word. And a correcting word is never, um, hey, you guys stink. You're being terrible Christians. So do this right. That, that's not it. The Bible says <laughs> um, the parent that spares the rod hates the child. That, that's not saying I want to beat your child. It's that if I love you, there's going to be times of correction. Because in carpentry work, what I've learned, unfortunately, I had to learn this the hard way. But when you start on your foundation, if you're off just an eighth of an inch, which isn't much. To me, we'd have just said, ah, good enough, right? An eighth of an inch, not much. But as you go up and as you continue, that eighth of an inch can turn into two or three inches. And then all of a sudden, as the years go on and, and the days and the months go on, you're going to be how? You're going to be finding yourself saying... How did I get this far off? Can anybody witness to that in their life before? Yeah. You think, my goodness, it was just something small. And here I am 10 years later. How did I get this far off? How did I get this broken? How did this happen? And so this morning, I believe that this word is just bringing some correction, bringing equipping, and bringing a place to launch you into 2022. Because we don't have resolutions. We don't have these things. People say that, you know, most people have their resolutions and within a couple months they give up. But I believe, friends, I believe that God has placed things on the inside of you, has opened doors and is calling your name to invite you into the new. He's inviting you into destiny. He's inviting you into why you are on this earth in this hour. And if we're not equipped, we will quickly be distracted. Notice I didn't say, we, we have this paradigm in the church in the West that as long as I show up, write my check, I'm good. But do you know you can be here but not present? As a matter of fact, the, the, the people in the scriptures, when Jesus is illustrating this, um, they're standing in front of Jesus and they're saying, didn't we prophesy and heal and raise the dead and do all these things in your name? But Jesus said, yeah, but I just didn't know you. Somewhere along the line, you got off just enough that as you continued to go, you woke up one day and you're like, I don't even know the Lord. I'm in church. I'm doing these things. I'm signing up for every event. I'm believing God. I, I think I'm believing God. But somehow I miss this intimacy with God, this intentional knowing him and him knowing me. And so I believe this is going to equip us so that in time, in this new year, there are going to be times where the enemy comes and attacks you. Sometimes it's easy. And you're thinking, that's all you got? Man, I'm good. And there's going to be times you don't want to get out of bed in the morning. There's going to be times you feel defeated. There's going to be times you think, God, I thought you said. But friends, we have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. This is not the hour to get distracted. This is not the hour to get distracted. I'm discerning the time we are in. And I believe that we are in 
going into starting to see what I believe will be the third great awakening. I believe we're going to see an outpouring like no other. Like the Welsh revival was great, but it won't be as good as this next one. Azusa Street revival. Great moves of God that that, that didn't just impact America, impacted globally. But we're going to see something greater. And I believe that we're entering into an hour that the corporate setting is amazing. I love the corporate setting. There's nothing like it. But I believe we're entering into an hour that sons and daughters that are equipped, that are um, intimate with the Lord, that are seeking him, they're going to bring the presence of Jesus and establish his government over coffee shop combos, over living sex. Listen, I'm not saying you don't come to church because you have home church. I'm saying you have home church as well as go to church. That when I meet you for coffee, you might think it's just a combo. But really, I'm giving King Jesus authority and access through my life to encounter you. That, that literally, my business, my family, whatever you're doing, where you work, I am now going in with the reality that King Jesus can have his way in this place. Not just language. I believe that we need to move from concept to experience. See, in college today, if Pastor Rowe wants to be a teacher, he, he go, no, he won't say teacher. Let's say, let's say like a trait, right? He wants to be uh, a, a, like a carpenter. A lot of people will say, come to school and I'll teach you. But when he graduates, he just has more concept than experience. But that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is saying, I don't want to just give you concept. I want to give you experience. Miss Kuhlman, one of my great, one of my just favorites of the faith, she said, you can't give what you don't have. And I'm afraid that we have generations of people walking around just flaunting concept. Does that make sense? That, that yes, I believe Jesus. Well, I've read that Jesus can heal. I understand that concept, but I haven't experienced it. Maybe I haven't experienced it because of my unbelief. Maybe I haven't experienced it because I'm not willing to get out of my comfort zone, as Pastor said earlier. But God is saying, I want you to experience these things that I've talked about. He wants us to experience the John 14 greater works. If you're not familiar with what I'm saying, as Jesus was talking to the disciples in John 14, he said, greater works will you do. Raising the dead, greater things you'll do. That there are greater works. That reality is what we're supposed to be walking in. And God wants us to move from the concept of that to experiencing that and making that a reality we live in. So it's no longer Pastor Roe, I'm picking on him this morning. It's no longer Pastor Roe just saying, come to church and Jesus can save or this and that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I get that. It's now walking Pastor Rose walking in experience, and that increases his faith, that increases his boldness, his courage. So now when he steps into Starbucks, greatest coffee in Marion, amen? He, well, yeah, so he, devil is a liar, Tim Hortons. Man, get out of here with that, Tim Hortons. When you step through the threshold of Starbucks, you are now saying, my faith, I live in the reality that King Jesus can touch this person I'm dealing with. I'm talking to. We're moving from concept into reality. And this hour, this next great awakening is going to come through those types of events. Through coffee shops, through living room settings, through workplace settings. 
meeting your employee, meeting your employer early or later after hours to talk about Jesus, your coworkers, to say, man, let's get real about this guy. There is a Jewish man that come in the flesh that longs to meet you, that longs to heal you, that longs to save you. And it's time we start walking from concept to experience. Amen? Okay. All right. I want to just say a few more things and then we'll get going. So we're going to move in our personal life. This intimacy, this, this oil that I'm talking about that I'm going to release this morning. In Jesus, his ministry, when we read, he would teach, preach, and heal. So every time he would preach, and I'm, I'm a believer in, I believe there needs to be a demonstration after a teaching and a preaching. That's the full gospel preached. I want to get to that place. That when I teach and preach, whether it's to you, to family, to one person, that I'm teaching, I'm preaching, and I'm releasing a demonstration. And I believe that's, what, that's why we had last Sunday. Listen, Pastor Roe and Pastor Megan and I were in a group text. Uh, we received a text that said Sunday when we called out back pain, somebody got healed. They were struggling with back pain for years, and they, they've been touched, and they're no longer dealing with back pain. I mean, I had somebody tell me they watched the service later and they were dealing with the no taste and no smell symptoms and God started to touch them. I mean, literally the Lord, that's not saying, like like blame the healing evangel. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God is longing to touch us. He's longing for experience to become reality. So he's saying, he, he wants to get us to this place of experience that increases our faith. And that's where the scriptures say, ask and you'll receive. To walk in that boldness, to not ask, as the book of James says, ask where you're doubting. You're like a wave of the sea tossed up and down. No, he wants to slide us, get us to a place of experience where our faith is increased. That we ask knowing that God is going to do the very thing we ask. So he wants to do that in our life personally. Evangelism, I'm going to call it, in the Great Commission. Our life of just going and telling and sharing the gospel. It's going to be intimacy that increases that. It's going to be intimacy that gives us an anointing to do that biblically. See, what I found in this hour is so many people with the, you have the Fox News and the CNN and the Facebook narratives. And everybody's looking to buy into something and try to apply the Bible to that narrative. And it doesn't work. People are coming to church and they're just trying to get better equipped to debate. They're just trying to get better equipped to debate. But 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 23 says, Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Listen, you are not going to change anybody's mind in your own power. I, I, I talked to somebody the other day and they're, they're talking to me. What do I say here? What do I say there? And how do I respond to this? And I'm like, you don't. What? Why don't I? Because the person asking you these questions are just trying to get you fired up and trying to debate. Are you tracking with me? God does not want us to be better debaters at all. You don't buy into any narrative. You buy into his narrative. Your mind gets renewed to his mind. And when that happens, when your intimacy, when he slides you from um, concept to experience and you start to go deeper with him, you start to learn his voice 
His word is a lamp unto your feet. So you won't find yourself in debates. He'll only lead you to places for um, a, a chance to evangelize the gospel. And in that place, you don't debate. The scriptures say, in that time, I'll give you all things to say. I'll bring to remembrance all things. You have to learn to yield, not be better equipped to debate. Are you tracking with me? We have to quit fighting over who should be the president and what we think about this issue and that issue. We should be releasing the power of God in every conversation. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'll just hang it up for today. So he wants to do it in us personally. He wants to do that through intimacy. He wants to increase our evangelism and our outreach through intimacy. In the corporate setting, he wants to bring a shift through intimacy. Here's what I want to say, and I want you to hear me. I'm, I'm going to try to be careful on this. I am by no means knocking any church. Hear me. You got it? You received that? But I believe due to sons and daughters that come to church, not having a life with intimacy, we come and we get exactly what we hunger for. So oftentimes, because we're not seeking him, we'll excuse and miss the presence if Corey's playing a good drum roll. Well, oh, the presence of God was here. How do you know? Well, it was loud. Well, who cares? Well, the drums were good. Well, who cares? Corey's one of the best drummers in the state. But secular people have good drummers. Secular bands. Danny, Richie are awesome. But secular bands have awesome musicians. We, we cannot settle for denominational preferences. Well, this church is loud. This church dances. When the presence comes, it will look different ways. David got naked and danced around the ark. And also many of the prophets entered into the presence of God and fell as if they were dead. We, 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 it'll change and shift the corporate setting when we live a life of intimacy. Stephanie Gretzinger, does anybody know who that is? I, I listened to an interview with her and Michael Koulianos um, talking about their upcoming conference they do. And, and Michael was asking Stephanie, tell me about these times in Bethel when the glory cloud filled the room. What was that like? How was that different? And she said, when I took the stand, I could sense everybody in the congregation's hunger. And we really didn't have to do anything. We ministered to the Lord and everybody's hunger moved the heart of God and the glory came. Everybody at that specific meeting came filled. And when you are filled with the Lord, it's like I'm filled, but I'm dying for more. And friends, when we get to that place, pastor won't preach often. He won't be allowed. The Holy Spirit will say, touch this. I dare you. Because I'm here. I'm moving. The Bible tells us that when he comes, Jesus will do the convicting. He will do the teaching. We have to get to a place when we're not dependent on the only food we're getting is Sunday morning from 11 to 12. Now listen, I'm not speaking to you like I'm perfect and I've got it figured out. Friends, I'm working on myself too. Danny and I, we try to get up every morning at 5 so we can be down and be with the Lord. But we don't get up every morning. But we're striving, Lord, stir in us. Let us wake up at 4.30, not waiting to get to the prayer room. Said, I can't wait to be with you, Lord. We have to start seeking a life of intimacy. And Jesus says, I promise you, those who seek me will find me. And when we come into this building, last Sunday, I believe, was just God saying, 
Ask me and I'll do it. If you come filled, we had people getting healed and touched and worship was going. The house of David that Jesus wanted to set up, there was no preaching. It was 24-7 prayer and worship. Intercession prayer and worship unto the Lord. And friends, we have to move from a tabernacle, temple, Jewish system into a house of David setting. Where it is prayer and worship and presence and that's all. If the teaching of the word happens, awesome. But we're a presence-based people. And that starts through personal intimacy. Are you tracking with me? I'm not losing you. Daniela, you'll be honest with me. Am I losing you? Okay. She's just saying that. She'll tell me when we get home. But listen, let me prove it to you. I don't want to just give you concept. Acts chapter 2. They gathered in an upper room in one accord, one hunger, one thirst. Holy Spirit poured out. We're here today. A church that cannot be shaken was born through people, men and women that were hungry for Jesus and come into agreement and said, we will die if your presence doesn't come in the pouring, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you another one. Let's see, it's John and Peter, I believe. I have some notes. Yes, Peter and John. They go and they're released and they preach the gospel, get arrested. They're thrown in front of the Sanhedrin. Uh, this is probably the only thing I can relate with Peter and John is this scripture. The Sanhedrin goes, there's no doubt these uneducated men have been with Jesus. I'm like, yes, I can fall into that category. They're like, there is no doubt these uneducated fishermen have been with the Lord. They beat them, do what they got to do. John and Peter go back to their people. They come back to the gathering place. And they press in. And again, they were filled and the house was shaken. All will be as debaters if we don't get in unity. People filled, crying out for him, gather together, and this room is shaken. This room is shaken. The spirit is poured out. That is our biblical mandate. This isn't preference. If you're new here and you're saying, oh, this is just Pentecostal. No, this is Bible. We need to get off of our high horse of denominationalism and comfort zones. And what does the Bible say? And I believe that the Lord wants more shaking and fillings. The book of Acts is the only book that doesn't have an ending because we're continuing to write chapters. We're continuing to write chapters in this book. So the Lord wants to, through this intimacy, through this anointing, this oil that's going to be released tonight, or this morning, sorry, used to Sunday nights, this oil that's going to be released, it's going to affect our personal life, moving from concept to experience. It's going to affect our evangelism, our outreach, and it's going to affect our corporate settings. It's going to affect our corporate settings. Last week, a healing service is going to be our new thing. It's going to be the new thing that we walk in. And it's going to be something that because we've experienced it, we're going to be at work. We're going to be at restaurants and we're going to talk to our waitress and be like, do you need prayer for that? Because God can heal you right now. Don't live another moment with that pain. Because we're going from experience. We're not having concept that Roe is a healing pastor And we're going to say, I've experienced it. And because I've freely received, freely I give. This is Bible. Come on. we got to get here. We have to get to this place, this reality that Jesus is longing for us to be in. We don't want to debate. I love that. When the Lord give me that, we're not better debaters. We're going to be led by the Spirit. And when the Lord leads us to an open conversation, 
we're gonna, the same Lord, the same spirit that led us, we're going to yield. Even if the person's saying something, be like, oh, I know the, I disagree with that, and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. No, you're going to yield. Holy Spirit, do I engage? What do I say? Oh, and sometimes you preach the best gospel when you don't say a word. Sometimes you don't, you preach the best gospel when you don't say a word. Sometimes the biggest um, stronghold for our preaching is ourselves. So this morning, I believe that the Lord wants to launch us and equip us into real intimacy. Now, I've shared with you many times before, um, my heart is for intimacy with the Lord. I struggled with religion. I was a heathen before I got saved, and I'm like, Oh, I can't quit this stuff. I'm trying. I got friends calling. What are you doing Saturday night? Let's go out. Let's go here. Let's go to this bar. Let's do that. And religion, I'm like, oh, don't smoke, drink, or chew, or date girls who do. I'm trying. I'm trying. And I'm like, man, I'm going to have to handcuff me to my bed because I'm like, in Jesus' name, I'm going out. And I, <laughs> I'm trying, right? I'm in religion, and I'm like, man, I... I wasn't doing it, but in my heart I was. And I, I, one day I said, Lord, this, I can't keep doing this because I'm there in my heart. In my mind, I'm right with them doing the same things. This can't be Christianity. If it is, I don't want it because I've never felt this bad. How do, how do I get free? Because you say in your word, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I don't feel free. But when I learned about intimacy... When somebody led me into the teaching of intimacy, that the Lord wants to meet with me. The Lord wants to speak to me. The Lord has things to say to me. It's then that I switched from religion to relationship. And no longer was it, I can't do X, Y, or Z. It was, why would I ever do those things? It shifted from, I can't do it, to why would I want to do it? Because it breaks my Jesus' heart. The only one that gave me true purpose and identity. Why would I do those things? And, and so then the intimacy changed my life, and I was marked with that. And then when Daniela and I started to date, we, we just went on like a tear of preaching intimacy. And we were the youth pastors here for a while, and we'd have the teens laying on the floor. <laughs> we'd have to go tell the parents, like, they'll come out when they're done, you know. Ashley, the three of us were in there, and Corey, and four of us, and we were just having an awesome time releasing the message of intimacy. But what the Lord has been taking me deeper into is, is walking people into that. And giving you a better understanding of what it is. I've, at times I've preached this and just assumed you knew what I was talking about. And so I want to break this down a little bit. And I, I want to talk to you about the oil for intimacy. How the Lord isn't going to leave us as orphans and say, hey, Miss Joe, figure it out. Be intimate with me. Figure it out. No, he says, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. What a God that not only saves us, not only heals us but gives us the power to walk with him. I mean, it's like most of us are like, listen, you're either in unity with me or you're out. I know my value. Like, like you know, I'm better. Like, but God's like, no, I want you. I'll hold your hand and walk with you. And every message Pastor Rowe has been teaching, I feel like I'm hitting on every series that he's talked about from the table to pride. Because for me, there's pride and there was pride involved to be like, I can do it. I'm a man. Man, I'm a pioneer. I'll pioneer my way through it to intimacy. I'll make a way. And God's like, yeah, you can try or you can yield. And I'll make a way in the wilderness. I'll open water in the dry places. I, you have to yield. Your pride and your manhood will lead you to hell. 
He's saying, but I want you to come to me. And all you have to do is yield. All you have to do is surrender. And so intimacy, we're going to talk about it. And I believe that going into this year, Daniela and I are working on a class. This is a little 101. Maybe, you'll, maybe it'll be something you'll be interested in. We want to do a class called Mending the Enclosure. And it's talking about in this new year, being in a place of enclosed garden with God. That all my dreams and visions, that I don't get distracted, that I don't get off track. And that's what I'm going to preach on this morning. This oil for intimacy that's going to keep you in intimacy with God. No matter hell or high water that comes to you, you're going to be locked in eye contact with the Father. All right. Are you with me? All right. So oil. Oil. It's anointing oil. I believe that there are things in the Christian American church the Church of America, whatever, there, there, are, there are definitions that need redefined, need reformed, because we've just kind of gotten off, and we've just used it kind of like when people say, I love you, and you're like, no, you don't. You're just saying that, just have something to say. There are things in language that we've kind of lost the meaning of, like anointed. I haven't talked to one person in the church that isn't like, I'm anointed, I'm good, but they don't live it, but they don't believe that. They're just, I went to church, I had a Pentecostal grandma, um, I, I've heard enough people yell and pray over me and slap me upside the head and I've laid on the, the floor enough times that I know I'm blessed and highly start to take your eyes off of Jesus and look at other things that's why the book of James is so clear don't get distracted don't get remember if you get off just a little bit down here you'll go a week, a month, a year and think how did I get this far off what happened I want to just John, you can turn your Bibles to John 14. Jesus, well, I've read that Jesus can heal. I understand that concept, but I haven't experienced it. Maybe I haven't experienced it because of my unbelief. Maybe I haven't experienced it because I'm not willing to get out of my comfort zone, as Pastor said earlier. But God is saying, I want you to experience these things that I've talked about. He wants us to experience the John 14 greater works. If you're not familiar with what I'm saying As Jesus was talking to the disciples in John 14, he said, greater works will you do. Raising the dead, greater things you'll do. That there are greater works. That reality is what we're supposed to be walking in. And God wants us to move from the concept of that to experiencing that and making that a reality we live in. So it's no longer Pastor Roe, I'm picking on him this morning. It's no longer Pastor Roe just saying, come to church and Jesus can save or this and that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I get that. It's now walking, Pastor Roe's walking in experience. And that increases his faith. That increases his boldness, his courage. So now when he steps into Starbucks, greatest coffee in Marion, amen? He, well, yeah, so he, devil is a liar, Tim Hortons. <laughs> Man, get out of here with that, Tim Hortons. When you step through the threshold of Starbucks, you are now saying, my faith, I live in the reality that King Jesus can touch this person I'm dealing with, I'm talking to. We're moving from concept into reality. And this hour, this next great awakening is going to come through those types of events, through coffee shops, through living room settings, through workplace settings meeting your employee, meeting your employer early or later after hours to talk about Jesus, your coworkers, to say, man, let's get real about this guy. There is a Jewish man that come in the flesh that longs to meet you, that longs to heal you, that longs to save you. 
And it's time we start walking from concept to experience. Amen? Okay. All right. I want to just say a few more things and then we'll get going. So we're going to move in our personal life. This intimacy, this this oil that I'm talking about that I'm going to release this morning. In Jesus, his ministry, when we read, he would teach, preach, and heal. So every time he would preach, and I'm, I'm a believer in, I believe there needs to be a demonstration after a teaching and a preaching. That's the full gospel preached. I want to get to that place. That when I teach and preach, whether it's to you, to family, to one person, that I'm teaching, I'm preaching, and I'm releasing a demonstration. And I believe that's, what, that's why we had last Sunday. Listen, Pastor Rowe and Pastor Megan and I were in a group text. Uh, we received a text that said Sunday when we called out back pain, somebody got healed. They were struggling with back pain for years, and they, they've been touched, and they're no longer dealing with back pain. I, I mean, I had somebody tell me they watched the service later, and they were dealing with the no taste and no smell symptoms, and God started to touch them. I mean, literally, the Lord, that's not saying, like, like blame the healing evangel. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God is longing to touch us. He's longing for experience to become reality. So he's saying he, he wants to get us to this place of experience that increases our faith. And that's where the scriptures say, ask and you'll receive. To walk in that boldness, to not ask, as the book of James says, ask where you're doubting. You're like a wave of the sea tossed up and down. No, he wants to slide us, get us to a place of experience where our faith is increased, that we ask knowing that God is going to do the very thing we ask. So he wants to do that in our life personally. Evangelism, I'm going to call it, in the Great Commission. Our life of just going and telling and sharing the gospel. It's going to be intimacy that increases that. It's going to be intimacy that gives us an anointing to do that biblically. See, what I found in this hour is so many people with the, you have the Fox News and the CNN and the Facebook narratives and everybody's looking to buy into something and try to apply the Bible to that narrative. And it doesn't work. People are coming to church and they're just trying to get better equipped to debate. They're just trying to get better equipped to debate. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23 says, Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Listen, you are not going to change anybody's mind in your own power. I, I, I talked to somebody the other day, and they're, they're talking to me. What do I say here? What do I say there? And how do I respond to this? And I'm like, you don't. What? Why don't I? Because the person asking you these questions are just trying to get you fired up and trying to debate. Are you tracking with me? God does not want us to be better debaters at all. You don't buy into any narrative. You buy into his narrative. Your mind gets renewed to his mind. And when that happens, when your intimacy, when he slides you from um, concept to experience and you start to go deeper with him, God does not want us to be better debaters at all. You don't buy into any narrative. You buy into his narrative. Your mind gets renewed to his mind. And when that happens, when your intimacy, when he slides you from um, concept to experience and you start to go deeper with him, you start to learn his voice. 
His word is a lamp unto your feet. So you won't find yourself in debates. He'll only lead you to places for um, a, a chance to evangelize the gospel. And in that place, you don't debate. The scriptures say, in that time, I'll give you all things to say. I'll bring to remembrance all things. You have to learn to yield, not be better equipped to debate. Are you tracking with me? We have to quit fighting over who should be the president and what we think about this issue and that issue. We should be releasing the power of God in every conversation. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'll just hang it up for today. So he wants to do it in us personally. He wants to do that through intimacy. He wants to increase our evangelism and our outreach through intimacy. In the corporate setting, he wants to bring a shift through intimacy. Here's what I want to say, and I want you to hear me. I'm, I'm going to try to be careful on this. I am by no means knocking any church. Hear me. You got it? You received that? But I believe due to sons and daughters that come to church, not having a life with intimacy, we come and we get exactly what we hunger for. So oftentimes, because we're not seeking him, we'll excuse and miss the presence if Corey's playing a good drum roll. Well, oh, the presence of God was here. How do you know? Well, it was loud. Well, who cares? Well, the drums were good. Well, who cares? Corey's one of the best drummers in the state. But secular people have good drummers. Secular bands. Danny, Richie are awesome. But secular bands have awesome musicians. We, we cannot settle for denominational preferences. Well, this church is loud. This church dances. When the presence comes, it will look different ways. David got naked and danced around the ark. And also many of the prophets entered into the presence of God and fell as if they were dead. We, 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 it'll change and shift the corporate setting when we live a life of intimacy. Stephanie Gretzinger, does anybody know who that is? I, I listened to an interview with her and Michael Koulianos um, talking about their upcoming conference they do. And, and Michael was asking Stephanie, tell me about these times in Bethel when the glory cloud filled the room. What was that like? How was that different? And she said, when I took the stand, I could sense everybody in the congregation's hunger. And we really didn't have to do anything. We ministered to the Lord and everybody's hunger moved the heart of God and the glory came. Everybody at that specific meeting came filled. And when you are filled with the Lord, it's like I'm filled, but I'm dying for more. And friends, when we get to that place, pastor won't preach often. He won't be allowed. The Holy Spirit will say, touch this. I dare you. Because I'm here. I'm moving. The Bible tells us that when he comes, Jesus will do the convicting. He will do the teaching. We have to get to a place when we're not dependent on the only food we're getting is Sunday morning from 11 to 12. Now listen, I'm not speaking to you like I'm perfect and I've got it figured out. Friends, I'm working on myself too. Danny and I, we try to get up every morning at 5 so we can be down and be with the Lord. But we don't get up every morning. But we're striving, Lord, stir in us. Let us wake up at 4.30, not waiting to get to the prayer room. Said, I can't wait to be with you, Lord. We have to start seeking a life of intimacy. And Jesus says, I promise you, those who seek me will find me. And when we come into this building, last Sunday, I believe, was just God saying, 
Ask me and I'll do it. If you come filled, we had people getting healed and touched and worship was going. The house of David that Jesus wanted to set up, there was no preaching. It was 24-7 prayer and worship. Intercession prayer and worship unto the Lord. And friends, we have to move from a tabernacle, temple, Jewish system into a house of David setting. Where it is prayer and worship and presence and that's all. If the teaching of the word happens, awesome. But we're a presence-based people. And that starts through personal intimacy. Are you tracking with me? I'm not losing you. Daniela, you'll be honest with me. Am I losing you? Okay. She's just saying that. She'll tell me when we get home. But listen, let me prove it to you. I don't want to just give you concept. Acts chapter 2. They gathered in an upper room in one accord, one hunger, one thirst. Holy Spirit poured out. We're here today. A church that cannot be shaken was born through people, men and women that were hungry for Jesus and come into agreement and said, we will die if your presence doesn't come in the pouring, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you another one. Let's see, it's John and Peter, I believe. I have some notes. Yes, Peter and John. They go and they're released and they preach the gospel, get arrested. They're thrown in front of the Sanhedrin. I, this is probably the only thing I can relate with Peter and John is this scripture. The Sanhedrin goes, there's no doubt these uneducated men have been with Jesus. I'm like, yes, I can fall into that category. They're like, there is no doubt these uneducated fishermen have been with the Lord. They beat them, do what they got to do. John and Peter go back to their people. They come back to the gathering place. And they press in. And again, they were filled and the house was shaken. All will be as debaters if we don't get in unity. People filled, crying out for him, gather together, and this room is shaken. This room is shaken. The Spirit is poured out. That is our biblical mandate. This isn't preference. If you're new here and you're saying, oh, this is just Pentecostal. No, this is Bible. We need to get off of our high horse of denominationalism and comfort zones. And what does the Bible say? And I believe that the Lord wants more shaking and fillings. The book of Acts is the only book that doesn't have an ending because we're continuing to write chapters. We're continuing to write chapters in this book. So the Lord wants to, through this intimacy, through this anointing, this oil that's going to be released tonight, or this morning, sorry, used to Sunday nights, this oil that's going to be released, it's going to affect our personal life, moving from concept to experience. It's going to affect our evangelism, our outreach. And it's going to affect our corporate settings. It's going to affect our corporate settings. Last week, a healing service is going to be our new thing. It's going to be the new thing that we walk in. And it's going to be something that because we've experienced it, we're going to be at work. We're going to be at restaurants. And we're going to talk to our waitress and be like, do you need prayer for that? Because God can heal you right now. Don't live another moment with that pain. Because we're going from experience. We're not having concept that Roe is a healing pastor And we're going to say, I've experienced it. And because I've freely received, freely I give. This is Bible. Come on. we got to get here. We have to get to this place, this reality that Jesus is longing for us to be in. We don't want to debate. I love that. When the Lord give me that, we're not better debaters. We're going to be led by the Spirit. And when the Lord leads us to an open conversation, 
we're going to, the same Lord, the same spirit that led us, we're going to yield. Even if the person's saying something, be like, oh, I know the, I disagree with that and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. No, you're going to yield. Holy Spirit, do I engage? What do I say? Oh, and sometimes you preach the best gospel when you don't say a word. Sometimes you don't, you preach the best gospel when you don't say a word. Sometimes the biggest um, stronghold for our preaching is ourselves. So this morning, I believe that the Lord wants to launch us and equip us into real intimacy. Now, I've shared with you many times before, um, my heart is for intimacy with the Lord. I struggled with religion. I was a heathen before I got saved, and I'm like, Oh, I can't quit this stuff. I'm trying. I got friends calling. What are you doing Saturday night? Let's go out. Let's go here. Let's go to this bar. Let's do that. And religion, I'm like, oh, don't smoke, drink, or chew, or date girls who do. I'm trying. I'm trying. And I'm like, man, I'm going to have to handcuff me to my bed because I'm like, in Jesus' name, I'm going out. And I, <laughs> I'm trying, right? I'm in religion, and I'm like, man, I... I wasn't doing it, but in my heart I was. And I, I, one day I said, Lord, this, I can't keep doing this because I'm there in my heart. In my mind, I'm right with them doing the same things. This can't be Christianity. If it is, I don't want it because I've never felt this bad. How do, how do I get free? Because you say in your word, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I don't feel free. But when I learned about intimacy... When somebody led me into the teaching of intimacy, that the Lord wants to meet with me, the Lord wants to speak to me, the Lord has things to say to me, it's then that I switched from religion to relationship. And no longer was it, I can't do X, Y, or Z. It was, why would I ever do those things? It shifted from, I can't do it, to why would I want to do it? Because it breaks my Jesus' heart. The only one that gave me true purpose and identity. Why would I do those things? And, and so then the intimacy changed my life, and I was marked with that. And then when Daniela and I started to date, we, we just went on like a tear of preaching intimacy. And we were the youth pastors here for a while, and we'd have the teens laying on the floor. <laughs> we'd have to go tell the parents, like, they'll come out when they're done, you know. Ashley, the three of us were in there, and Corey, and four of us, and we were just having an awesome time releasing the message of intimacy. But what the Lord has been taking me deeper into is, is walking people into that. And giving you a better understanding of what it is. I've, at times I've preached this and just assumed you knew what I was talking about. And so I want to break this down a little bit. And I, I want to talk to you about the oil for intimacy. How the Lord isn't going to leave us as orphans and say, hey, Miss Joe, figure it out. Be intimate with me. Figure it out. No, he says, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. What a God that not only saves us, not only heals us, but gives us the power to walk with him. I mean, it's like most of us are like, listen, you're either in unity with me or you're out. I know my value. Like, like you know, I'm better. Like, but God's like, no, I want you. I'll hold your hand and walk with you. And every message Pastor Rowe has been teaching, I feel like I'm hitting on every series that he's talked about from the table to pride. Because for me, there's pride and there was pride involved to be like, I can do it. I'm a man. Man, I'm a pioneer. I'll pioneer my way through to intimacy. I'll make a way. And God's like, you can try or you can yield. And I'll make a way in the wilderness. I'll open water in the dry places. You have to yield. Your pride and your manhood will lead you to hell. 
He's saying, but I want you to come to me. And all you have to do is yield. All you have to do is surrender. And so intimacy, we're going to talk about it. And I believe that going into this year, Daniela and I are working on a class. This is a little 101. Maybe, you'll, maybe it'll be something you'll be interested in. We want to do a class called Mending the Enclosure. And it's talking about in this new year, being in a place of enclosed garden with God. That all my dreams and visions, that I don't get distracted, that I don't get off track. And that's what I'm going to preach on this morning. This oil for intimacy that's going to keep you in intimacy with God. No matter hell or high water that comes to you, you're going to be locked in eye contact with the Father. All right. Are you with me? All right. So oil. Oil. It's anointing oil. I believe that there are things in the Christian American church the Church of America, whatever, there, there, are, there are definitions that need redefined, need reformed, because we've just kind of gotten off, and we've just used it kind of like when people say, I love you, and you're like, no, you don't. You're just saying that, just have something to say. There are things in language that we've kind of lost the meaning of, like anointed. I haven't talked to one person in the church that isn't like, I'm anointed, I'm good, but they don't live it, but they don't believe that. They're just, I went to church, I had a Pentecostal grandma, um, I, I've heard enough people yell and pray over me and slap me upside the head, and I've laid on the, the floor enough times that I know I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm above, not below. I'm anointed by God, and I have a calling on my life. And if I say that, they'll leave me alone. You know, you get one of those grandmas of the church come up, and you're like, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> don't get me. Don't get me. I, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I know. Don't, don't get me. And we, seriously, we, we have language but we have that, that's concept. But God's saying, I want you to experience the realness of what you're saying. I want you to experience this. And so to anoint. In the Old Testament, there'd be a prophet, a man of God, that would stand and they would take the anointing oil and dump it over him and it'd run from the top of his head and it'd cover every part of his body and it would run down his whole body. Um, but this anointing is to consecrate to one. It's consecrating you to one, which is Jesus, and furnishing them with all gifts and powers necessary. So when you say, I'm anointed, when we say there's an anointing oil for intimacy, it means that I'm consecrated. I'm set apart for one man, for one thing, and that's him. My life, I am set apart. My life is for him. I, 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 am, I am completely wrapped up in this one thing, in this one man, which is Jesus. Okay? And in that, I'm yielded, so I'm consecrated, I'm set apart. He's in me, but he's also on me. So he's in you, and he's on you. And this anointing is something that consecrates you and gives you the power to live out what he's asked you to do. So if he's called you to preach the gospel, it's impossible without an anointing. Because then he says, I've called you, I've created you, and I've given you the power to do what I've asked you to do. So without the anointing, it would be like having a car with no gas. I've got a car. I could drive that anywhere in the United States. I could get, name it, I could drive there. Well, not some of my old cars. It wouldn't make it to upper. But assume you have a new car, and you're like, I could drive that across the country. But with no gas, I can't go anywhere, right? And with an anointing, you're saying... God, you've created me. The calling of God is irrevocable. But if I'm not intimate with him, I have no anointing, so it won't work, and all it'll do is burn me out. 
All it'll do is wear me out and it'll become division in my family and it'll become division in my marriage and it'll cause chaos and everything. But when you're anointed, he goes, I see that you long for me and I've set you apart and I've furnished you just like I'd furnish a house with all the things I need to enjoy it. I furnished you with the power and the gifts needed for everything you'll come in contact with. So this last Sunday when we had a healing breakout, it was the anointing from God that allowed that to happen. I can heal no back pain on my own. Again, when when the world wants you to just be a better debater, you can't change anybody's mind on your own. But with the anointing, you will lead people to Jesus because it's him flowing off of you. He's in you and he's flowing off of you. That's the anointing. In a very simplistic form, that's the anointing. The parable of the ten virgins. Five of them. They all had lamps. But five of them brought extra oil. And so Jesus, we see, he said in him, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of man. Jesus is the light. And the Holy Spirit is the oil. So if you're going to be made new and born again and be in Jesus, his light is shining through you. But you have to be with him through the power of the Holy Spirit, to have oil for your light to shine. So the parable of the ten virgins, five of them, weren't planning, weren't preparing ahead, so they ran out of oil, so they missed the coming of the Lord. And I would propose to you that this next great awakening, this outpouring, these opportunities that are going to be happening in your life, if you're not intimate, you'll run out of oil, and you'll miss the opportunities the Lord has put in front of you. Not just the coming of the Lord, but you'll miss windows and opportunities where he says, Bailey, I've, I have this appointment lined up for you with this person that you're not going to guess is going to reach out to you. But if you're not with him, you'll miss that moment. If I haven't been with the Lord, I'll miss his voice. I'll be more caught up in me and what I'm doing and my thoughts and my desires. And I'll miss every opportunity and every, what Pastor Rose says, ordained moment that God has for you. But when you're with him, And when the Holy Spirit leads you to desire to be with Jesus and you're with him, you'll never run out of oil. And every time the Lord says, I have something for you, you won't miss it. Does that make sense? All right. So Revelation 3.20. I'm going to read this. This verse has so much significance to me. Um, When I first went to church, I thought, well, you know, as long as I put my tithe in the offering plate, maybe God will bless the business and Maybe I'll find a lady, you know, if I'm just giving my money, doing my thing. I'm still going out on the weekends, but as long, I'm there. That counts, right? Uh, you've heard me share this story many times, but a, uh, a missionary was there. Him and his whole family, they did missions in third world countries. And uh, I don't remember a lot of what the kids and the mom said, but the dad was closing out. And I couldn't wait to get out of there. I was ready to go. I was ready to go eat lunch. And... Uh, He said, I want you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And he read, here I stand at the door of your heart. And at that moment, I felt and heard in my spirit an audible knock. And so that was the moment and that was the scripture that led me to open the door and accept Jesus into my life. So every time I read this, this has very deep significance to me. Revelation 3.20. It's the verse that the Holy Spirit rose up inside of me and said, This is Jesus. Open the door and you'll get to meet him. So Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. 
Friends, this is the born again experience. We have come up with an America. Oh, good message, good music. Oh man, good coffee. Have an altar call. And out of my emotions, I come to the altar. Repeat after me. And I repeat. But sadly, I, I would believe 70% of that is not, is not a born-again experience. It's a church. I, it, it's, like a, it's like a thing we do, but it, doesn't, it helps you feel better for a few hours or a day. But it doesn't lead you to the born-again experience where he says, uh, you must be born again. The old must die so the new can come. And, but, but Revelation 3.20 paints this so beautiful. Jesus is saying, here I am. If you want me, you don't have to repeat certain things. Open the door to your heart and let me come in. Now listen, you'll hear me say, repeat a prayer. I, I, I've done that many of times. But I make sure I minister to that person and say, you're not saying it to me. You're looking at a man. A man that died for you. A man that Acts 2.24, I believe it is, says it was impossible for the grave to hold him. So the soil literally said, it is impossible for us to hold this man. The tomb, the rock said, we can't hold this man. He is the one you look at and say, Jesus, I hear you knocking. In my inner man, I hear it. And I want you to come in. And Jesus says, listen, if you open your heart and you ask me, I'll come in. And I'm, you, there's a table called my inner being. Oh, we took it away. There's a table. I believe it's a pathway table. Probably a little cooler than that if heaven made it, right? <laughs> and he's saying, I'm going to come in and sit at your table. And I know in America, it's hard for us to grasp this concept because in, in our family culture, we've lost the significance of the table. So we don't really even sit around. It's like grab your food and get out the door to the next thing. But, but older times and older generations would know there was something significant about the family sitting around the table. You took time to say, Ashley, how was your day? How are you feeling? How are you doing? There was, there was intentional dialogue. I really care about you. That type of conversation. So Jesus is saying, I want to come into your life and I want to get to these things that you're dealing with. I want to speak to your brokenness. I want to talk to you about who you really are. I want to sit at the table of your life. And Daniela, I want to hear you. I want to know you. Talk to me. Let's be intentional. That's... The born-again experience. Jesus, you say the old has to die. Teach me how. I love Mike Bickle. Does anybody know who Mike Bickle is? International House of Prayer. He, he said, it's time in this hour we engage in the conversation. And, and I'm like, okay, what, what's he mean? So I listened to this message. And, and he brought up a term that um, theologians use. It's called the inner Trinitarian dialogue. That's a big word. If you want to sound smart, throw it out once in a while. Inner Trinitarian dialogue. I feel smart just knowing it, right? I'm like, yeah, we call that, friends, the inner Trinitarian. <laughs> but, but, but it's this idea. Think about three chairs for all of eternity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three separate, three equals. And the minute you get born again, they pull up a fourth chair and say, oh, Pastor Rowe, have a seat. Engage in the conversation. Engage in what heaven is saying about you. It's time that when the Bible talks about setting your mind on things above, taming the tongue, it's because you can't talk like the world and engage in the inner Trinitarian dialogue. <laughs> you can't do both. You either engage in heaven's convo or you're in the world's narrative. You have to choose. And it's not easy, but with intimacy, God will say, we're at the table. Tell me what you're struggling with. Tell me the desires of your heart. 
I know for me it was hard because I've done things that I'm not proud of in the past. Well, I'm not going to say that. I might get, still could get in trouble for that. I've done things against the law. I've done things to people I'm not proud of. I've done things, and I wouldn't admit it to anybody. But at the table, just Jesus and I, Psalm 91 in the secret place, God, I did this. And he goes, I can heal you from that. God, you don't know the soul ties that I've had. I can heal you from those. But we have to sit at the table and have dialogue and conversation. Tell me what you're dealing with. God knows the thoughts and the the ways of your heart, but he wants you to say it. I am struggling. God, I don't know how to deal with this new position, this new thing. This I don't know how to be a husband. When I was going to get married, I thought, God, I have no idea how to be a husband. None. How? What do I do? He's like the same thing you've been doing since you learned about intimacy. Take a seat at the table and let's talk about it. And those are things I, I just ministered with a friend. And I said, the healing you're looking for does not come. It can. God can do anything. But the healing you're looking for doesn't come through a corporate gathering. It could. You could have somebody say, I'm healing this sin. And you can get touched. But the healing you're looking for is going to take time in the secret place. Where you can start to air out your things and start to talk to God and be real with God. It's easy to come up here and say, ooh, I better, how can I doctor this up and beautify this for Pastor Rowe when he lays his hand on me? What, 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 how, do I, how do I make this look not so bad? But God's saying, yeah, you're okay. When you quit lying, when you get over yourself and you sit at the table, let's talk about how you really feel and who you really are. It, you can be made new when you get to the ugliness of who you were. And let me tell you, God is a big God. You're not going to scare him away. He's not going to say, Blaine, I've never seen somebody so bad. I don't think I can help you. Maybe Buddhism. You know what I mean? Give it a try. That's not God. He's going to say, oh, thank you. I've been waiting for this moment. Because I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And I've been waiting for this moment. And here we are. Let's deal with the situations. This is this Revelation 3.20. This is this born-again experience. People say, Blaine, you're so hard and you're so this and maybe you're mean at times. And I'm like, no. When you're born again, it's not this excuse that maybe one day. I understand there's steps and it's a journey and you're walking. But most of the time we use that as an excuse to cover up our laziness and our lack of intimacy. Anytime I start to mistreat Danny in a small way or I start to think things I shouldn't, it's because the prayer room's getting dusty. It's because I haven't opened my Bible. It's because I haven't welcomed him into my day. And I thought, ah, just maybe tomorrow. Let me get my coffee, grab my banana, and I'm out the door to work. And God's saying, would you even give me five minutes? And let me tell you, you can't live off of five minutes. But when you give him hours of your day, he'll bless you in the five minutes. Man. Revelation 3.20, it's the table. It's the conversation. My, my first point, I have three points that I'm going to get to today for oil for intimacy. The first one, when this anointing is released, is, is Revelation 3.20 is our scripture, but the point is engage in the convo. Engage in the conversation. I heard uh, Corey Russell. He's one of my favorite pastors because he's got kind of a southern accent. So when he sounds a little hillbilly, I'm like, yes, I can relate with you, man. I can relate when I mispronounce something or something. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I can fit in with Corey. He, he said, Corey Russell said, half the battle is showing up. Half the battle is just being present, saying, God, I'm going to set aside 10 minutes. And then 10 minutes becomes 
a half hour and then a half hour becomes an hour. But part of our problem is we don't show up. And so in this hour, that what God is calling us and inviting us into in this intimacy, friends, show up. I'm, I'm challenging you tomorrow morning, say I'm setting aside 20 minutes. And I'm just, what does it look like? It's up to you and God. Open your Bible. What I love to do is open my Bible and just start to say, Holy Spirit, come. Show me. Walk with me through the scriptures. Reveal Jesus to me. Sometimes I'll sing nothing but the blood. Sing songs that they're singing in heaven. Some of the songs we sing and are on radio stations, I'm like, what? okay, so now that you told me how you're doing, are we going to worship? Because <laughs> in heaven, they're singing a couple songs. You're holy. Worthy is the Lamb. And you start to open your mouth. I'm a terrible singer. Try living with Daniela, who can sing, sing the brakes off of a car. You know, she can sing. And then there's me like, you are holy. <laughs> you know, I get up a little early and get the singing done before she wakes up. But you start to sing, you're holy. You're worthy. Oh, Jesus, there's none like you. You'll start to feel him come in. You say, oh, he's here. Now read the scriptures. Now that you're here, now that we're at the table, help me walk through the scriptures. Reveal Jesus to me. The whole lie that says the Lord works in mysterious ways. I mean, yes, he does, but he calls us the stewards of the mysteries. He wants us. He's like, oh, seek it and you'll find it. Ask me and I'll reveal it to you. But you have to spend time with him. Engage in the conversation. It's there that you learn identity. It's there that you can say, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God, and mean it. You can mean it. You can say, I'm living under an open heaven, and mean it. Because you've engaged in the conversation. It's there when you're praying with somebody, you'll have the faith. Because remember, anointing furnishes you with all gifts and power, right? Faith is a gift. You don't Just create faith. It's a gift. And when you're with him, say, God, increase my faith. And he'll give you that gift. And then that that, that oil, because you've been engaged in the conversation, you know who you are. You're able to have your mind renewed. You're able to set your mind on things above. You're able to walk in deeper faith. It starts with engaging in the conversation. Are you with me? Listen, at the table we eat, right? Jesus said at the the Last Supper for communion, this is my body broken for you. My body is real food. Eat it. So you eat at the table in the conversation. My, My calling on my life is to be sanctified. Yes, you might be called to preach. You might be called these different things. But your overall calling is to be sanctified. Your calling is to be formed into the image of Christ. So what are you going to preach about if you're not formed into the image of Christ? When I was young, I wanted to preach. I had all these sermon series. I was, I was going to burn the trail up and preach the gospel and see thousands saved. But I realized there was a time I didn't know about intimacy. So what was I even saying? We have thousands of motivational speakers. We need more kingdom anointed men and women that have been conformed into his image that actually have something to say when the opportunity is presented. And so... His body is real food. Consume that. When I'm in the scriptures, I am spiritually eating Jesus. I'm getting filled with him. So he says, my body is real food. Consume it. Then he says, man can't live on bread alone, but by every word. Every spoken word and every written word. At the table, there's something that happens. There's an exchange that happens. Okay, so number one, engage in the conversation. Number two, 
Protect the intimacy. Protect the intimacy. Thank you for all staring at me while I took a drink. Just kidding. Number two, protect the intimacy. One of my favorite scriptures that has marked me, and if I pray over you, I've probably released this over you. Song of Solomon 4.12. A garden enclosed is my bride. A garden enclosed is my bride. So protecting the intimacy is understanding the Garden of Eden. If you think about that and you read about Adam and God, what was that? It, when, when we read that, there was this idea of God and Adam in perfect unity. Adam was naked and unafraid. Adam was with the Lord. God gave favor to Adam and said, name these things. God realized the desires of Adam without Adam even saying a word. That's why he made Eve. Thank God for wives. But, but he's saying a garden enclosed. There was this perfect unity, this perfect... I believe that Adam and God in the cool of the day were walking in the garden, having perfect intimacy and dialogue. You may say, okay, what's that have to do with me? When Jesus was crucified, and on the third day when he was risen, what did Mary mistake Jesus for? A gardener saying, here I've come to restore Eden in your heart. Mary thought he was a gardener, and he was. He said, Eden has returned in your heart. A garden, of, he's saying, a garden enclosed is my bride. When Daniela gives her heart to Jesus and engages in the conversation, there becomes this spiritual enclosure in her inner man, in her inner being. And there's this perfect restoration of the Garden of Eden where her and God have perfect unity. It won't be this absolute perfection on her outside life. We can only reach a certain level, right, until the next age to come. Then we'll reach full perfection. But don't use that as an excuse and say, I'll never be perfect to cover up laziness. To say, well, I'll never be perfect. That's true, but are you saying that so you don't have to spend time in the secret place? Are you tracking with me? He's saying protect your intimacy. So if the born again experience means you're a garden enclosed, you have to protect that. There's a scripture in Isaiah that says the enemy encircles you, Jerusalem. And they're finding, they're looking for a weak spot in your wall so we can breach a hole and set up a new throne. And friends, that's what the enemy will do. He will see that you are one with the Father, that you're engaging in this conversation, that you've been made new, that you're marked by the blood, and the enemy will circle around you and wait for an opportune time. What did he say to Jesus? He waited for a more opportune time. When he couldn't get Jesus to cave, when he tempted him and Jesus would not cave, it said that the enemy waited for a more opportune time. And that's what he'll do in the minute you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. He'll look to breach a hole in that garden and set up a throne. And you can still come to church on Sunday. You can put money in the offering plate and never tithe. You can be at every event and never serve. That stuff won't save you. You do that out of the overflow of your heart. You do that out of the overflow of, oh my goodness, I'm so in love with this man that is my savior. I long to be part of the body. That's why when the doors are open, I want to be there because they're people that's in love. And when we get together, we actually have something in common. 
So it doesn't matter if we view things a little different. If you're in this conversation and I'm in this conversation, I love you and you love me. That's when church bodies start to flow and function successfully. When filled people come together and do life. Because they've been doing life with the one who gives life. So we have to protect this intimacy. We have to protect it. That, that scripture in Isaiah, you can find it. I believe it might be in like chapter 4, 5, or 6. I can't remember. It's in the beginning. Um, but the enemy will circle around you and wait. And a minute he goes, oh, Miss Vicky took her eyes off Jesus. She's living selfishly. I'm going to breach a hole in that garden. And I'm going to set up my throne. And that throne can look like, just worry about Miss Vicky. Start to take your eyes off of Jesus and look at other things. That's why the book of James is so clear. Don't get distracted. Don't get, remember if you get off just a little bit down here, you'll go a week, a month, a year and think, how did I get this far off? What happened? I want to just, John, you can turn your Bibles to John 14. John 14, 21. I just want to prove some things to you about this garden. We talked about Adam and God walking in this, this, this dialogue, this conversation that was happening. John 14, verse 21. I'll give you a few minutes to turn there. All right, I'm going to go ahead and start reading. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them. You learn his commands and his voice through this conversation, right? So after you've engaged, after you're starting to listen, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Why is that important? Number one, that assures you that because I love Jesus, because I'm engaged in this conversation, everything he speaks becomes life to me. And that is the outline of how I live my life. Okay? And because I love him and allow his word to be a lamp unto my feet, I know that pleases the Father, and the Father loves me, and Jesus loves me. And then he says, okay, so... You'll be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him being you. I believe each person's encounter, that manifest encounter can look different, but Jesus does not want to be some fairy tale God far away. He longs to that garden enclosed, that conversation. It's his heart to manifest himself to you. What, there are people that claim to have encounters that they were in the second, third heaven and God walked through the door. That's great. I believe that. That's, that's wonderful. But each person can be different, but you'll know that it's God. And, and that's his will. He wants to manifest himself to you, however that may be. But that does not happen by just going to church, checking it off the box. It comes through engaged, intentional intimacy. God, I want to see you. I can say all day, I love Daniela. I love her and I want to see her. I know she's at our house, but if I never go, I won't see her. So it'll just be a concept in my mind that I love her and I could go see her maybe tomorrow. But when I'm intentional, I beat it home. I get there and I walk through the door and I'm like, I'm home, babe. (laughs) 
Come on, give me a hug. Where's my kiss? You know, I'm here. I have arrived. Let's talk. Let's be intentional about our time we have together. And that's what God wants. You to show up and say, God, I'm here. I've been beaten. I've been drugged. Sometimes it seems like I've been through hell and back, but I'm here. And you're the only person that can heal me. You're the only person that in my worst hour still said I have value. I want to engage in the conversation. So he wants to manifest himself to you. I want to read verse 23. You can jot it down. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. There again, keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. That garden and clothes that you're going to protect. That's, that's, that's them. Their desire is to be in you. The creator of the universe, the trinity that knows no beginning and no end wants to be inside of you. And you would pick a sinful life over that? The creator that just spoke, let there be light, and there was light. The one that laughs at the attacks of the enemy. Not laughing at you. He's saying, that's all you got? If my son and daughter would just call on my name, you would have no room in their life. That God wants to be inside of you. He wants to be in you. He wants that garden, that garden of Eden. He's saying, that's right here. That's in your inner man, your inner woman, right in there. That's where I want that to be, where you and I. You can say, yeah, but, you know, Bailey, she's, she's ministered before. Maybe that's for her, not me, you know. No, no. God says it's for everyone. I died for all. I want all that ever has been, ever will be. God is saying, I want you. And that's something. You know, John chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What's that purity? My pure desire for Him and Him alone. That's what it is. We could go on and on just about scriptures of him wanting to reveal himself to us. So we have to engage in the conversation. And when we start that convo, when we start that Garden of Eden relationship, we have to protect that. We have to protect that. How do we protect that? Eye contact. Even when I don't feel like it, God, I'm here. Even when I think I'm tired, God, I'm just going to spend a few minutes in prayer. I've had a long day, but I'm here. And that, that, that here might turn into two hours. Who knows? But it's intentionality of God. Life is hard. But I'm going to look at you. I'm going to worship when I don't feel like it. I'm going to get in the word even when my favorite Netflix show is on. Even when I binge this show and it's great. I would rather be with you, God. We have to protect the intimacy. I just have a couple more things. I have a little bit more time and, and then we'll, we'll close and we'll release this anointing. When Moses made time, when he made a place and a time, he went up to the mountain with the two tablets. And God inscribed the tablets. And when Moses came down, he was glowing. His face was radiating with the glory of God. When I talked about God doesn't want us to be better equipped to debate, when you're with him and you're engaged in the conversation, people will notice the glory of God radiating off of you. And those tablets he engraved, he wants to engrave your heart with the word, with his desire. When you renew your mind, you don't have to think, okay, let me get a piece of paper of what he wants and here's what I want and i got to try to make this work. No, when you're with him, you start to be like him. 
I know when I was younger, if I was around somebody and I thought they were cool, I would start to talk like them or act like them. And God's like, if you're with me, you'll start to look like me. The things I love will be the things you love. The things I hate will be the things you hate. But you have to be there. You have to engage in the conversation and you have to protect that. And you'll be like Moses where he didn't have to say a word. He'd come down and the glory of God was radiating. The beginning of the year, I asked the Lord, where do you want me to start January reading? What, what, what book do you want me to start to meditate on? And he took me to the book of Daniel. And in short, um, just to summarize, you guys all have read the book of Daniel, I'm sure. Daniel refused to be, become unpure with the things um, of that kingdom. He refused to do it. He was so engaged in God so engaged in God, so on fire for him, so one, so dependent upon the presence of God under a lesser covenant. Catch that if you can. Under a lesser covenant. He was so unwilling to be defiled. And at first, the king, these people, they didn't understand it, but through that persecution, even when he was thrown into the lion's den, a moment of what some would call persecution, he come out and had so much favor with God, he gained position, he gained authority, he gained influence. He was, had more wisdom than all the soothsayers and all the wise men of the land, all because he was unwilling to unengage from the conversation. He was unwilling to defile himself. He was so wrapped up in God. Think about that. Under a lesser covenant that even the worldly kingdom had to say, blessed be the God of Daniel. And Daniel didn't even say a whole lot. He just said, I'm unwilling. He turned his face to Jerusalem, which could be translated to the presence of God, and lived a life of prayer. Morning, noon, and night. That's evangelism. That's where we need to be, that we're not debating, but we're so unwilling to budge. We're so unwilling to budge, but we look so much like him, even flowing in love. We carry the presence of God that ministers to every person we talk with. Debating wins nobody to Christ. But you carry, and you're with him, you'll carry the glory. And every time you talk to somebody, it'll flow off. And Miss Joe will say, I don't know what's different about that person. But it, 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 whatever it was, it touched me. And now I want to meet with that person again and talk. And, and I, want, I want to know more about this. And Miss Joe's like, all I did was show up. All I did was yield to the voice that I've engaged with so many times before. And he told me what to say and what to do. And now, next thing you know, Miss Joe's looking back. It's 2023. And she's like, how did all these people come to know Christ? All I did was engage in the conversation. All I did was show up. I didn't have to start a ministry. I didn't have to make t-shirts. Hey, I've done all of that. But that doesn't win anybody to Christ. It's a life engaged with him. I've received, so I have something to give. And it's Jesus. It's not my thoughts. It's Jesus. Quite frankly, most people don't care about your thoughts. But you start to speak Jesus. You know, I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to go on to my third point. Um, What I want to do is I just want to take... I want this to be a time for demonstration. I said last week when we started calling out for healing, um, I wanted you to come forward if, if I called out what, was, what, was on your, what you needed healing. Because sometimes, I'm not saying you have to, but there's a significance or something that moves God's heart when you're willing to stand up, get out of your comfort zone, and come forward. 
And friends, all I'm here to say this morning is we can anoint you with oil, but let God anoint you in the spirit for intimacy. Let him cover your inner man with oil. Let him pour out an anointing to set you apart for him and to give you the power in the days ahead to say, no, I will not turn my eyes elsewhere. No, I will not cave. No, I will not go back to a life of sin. Jesus, I want you and I will engage in the conversation even when I don't feel like it. Jesus, I will protect this intimacy. Jesus, I will pursue you. There's an anointing available for that this morning. I'm telling you, this, Pastor Rowe, I know that he has yielded to the Spirit and he is going to have some powerful words that come forth from this house this year. But if you're not in intimacy, it won't matter. But in intimacy, it's when you can leave and say, God, let's talk about this word that Pastor released this morning. Let it be planted in good soil. Let it bring forth a fruit and a harvest. That anointing, I believe, I believe that's why I'm speaking this Sunday of this, right now, starting this new year. Intimacy. If that's you and you say, you know what? I want a hand laid on me and I want to be, I want the Holy Spirit to anoint me for that. I want you to come forward. I want you to come forward and we're going to pray over you and we're going to ask Holy Spirit to dump that oil out on you. We're going to ask him to do what only he can do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And if you feel led, get up here. Don't miss this moment. You may say, I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years, 30 years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He wants to give you a fresh touch. A fresh touch right now. Right now in this moment. I feel somebody right now, just to increase faith, there's somebody that God prompted them that he was going to bring a financial breakthrough in their life this year, but only one week in, you're already discouraged and feel beaten. If that's you, God said, don't give up. Those who wait on the Lord will never be put to shame. If that's you, receive that. You don't have to do anything. Maybe you say, I don't want to stand up for that. If that's you, receive that. Grab that in the spirit. Say, no, I will not give up. I will keep pushing forward. I will keep going to see the word of God fulfilled in my life. So, Father, we thank you for your presence, Jesus. We thank you. Lord, we could not live without you. We couldn't even have a Christian gathering without you. You are everything, Jesus. There is none like you. I think of in the book of Revelation, the strong angel looked and said, there is none worthy in heaven. There's none worthy on earth and there's none worthy below. And as the writer of Revelation began to just weep, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. He is worthy. Jesus, you alone, there is none like you. None like you, Jesus. Your eyes of fire. Your hair white as wool. Your voice is the sound of many rushing waters. <laughs> the book of John says that the light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. God, I'm thank you that there, I'm so thankful that there is none like you. That our minds can't even begin to comprehend your holiness and your worthiness, God. We love you, Jesus. Right now, I pray that you would begin to move on hearts and minds. Anoint Jesus. Anoint every man and woman in this sanctuary right now. 
cover them, smear them with the heavenly oil. With the heavenly oil, Jesus. In their inner man, smear them with the heavenly oil, God. That they would be set apart for your pleasure. God, that they would not be any use to this world. God, that they would be yours and yours alone. God, that they would have the the passion and the fire stirring inside of them to engage in this heavenly conversation. That all other narratives, all other voices have to die right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, every other voice has to go right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And God, we hit increase to your voice. Give us ears to hear, God. Give us ears to hear your voice, Jesus, in this hour, in the age, in the hours that are coming. Give us ears to hear the heavenly voice, to hear the heavenly man speaking, God. Give us the power to say no to all things of the enemy. Give us the strength and the wisdom to say no to old ways and old lifestyles and old habits, Jesus. By your hand, the same hand that saved Israel out of Egypt, set us in a higher place, God. Set our hearts and minds on things above. Anoint right now every man and woman. Anoint them for intimacy. Anoint them for intimacy. Anoint them for the secret place. God, I pray for visions and dreams to be released right now in this gathering. God, I pray for the prophetic gift to come right now. Stick your hand up in the air and grab the prophetic gift. Grab that gift of prophecy that the words of God will not be foreign to you. The plans of God will not be foreign to you. The gift of prophecy be released right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Anoint for intimacy. I pray Psalm 91, those who dwell in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Most High. There's a shadow because He's so close. There's a shadow because He's so close. God is not far off in this hour. Come on, God, I pray right now for secret places. I pray for new dwellings to be formed in the secret place. I pray that night hours, men and women would be woke up in a night's sleep to be with you, Jesus. I pray right now that we would have watchmen set on the walls, God, spending time with you, watching over their families, watching over the cities. God, I pray right now that intercessors would rise, God, that you would speak to them in the secret place and that they would release prayer through, through your voice, through your leading, God. Right now, anoint, pour your oil out right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For the next few minutes, I'm going to pray over some people. I want you, church, to just pray to the Lord. Stretch your hands out over people here. But just release prayer. Spend this time with the Lord. He's here. He's here.